The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment before we start our program today to thank our corporate sponsors, IBM and Dole Fresh Foods, and also our advertisers and listeners for making it possible for the Costa Report to be heard around the world. I know many members of our armed forces who are stationed overseas tune in each and every week. So I also want to take this opportunity to thank them for their service and for joining us again. My guest today is former United States Attorney General and Governor of Pennsylvania, Mr. Dick Thornburg. In a few minutes, uh, he'll be here to weigh in on the role the Attorney General plays in controversies such as the recent seizure of the Associated Press phone records, uh, overreach by the IRS, and leaks of classified NSA material, even matters concerning the Affordable Health Care Act and budget ceiling. In one way or another, they all have to pass the legal scrutiny of the DOJ. But before Mr. Thornburg joins us, let me tell you a little bit about his background. Thornburg was born in Pennsylvania and earned his undergraduate degree in engineering from Yale University and his law degree from the University of Pittsburgh. And if our research is correct, he's also received honorary degrees from, count them, 32 additional colleges. He was practicing attorney uh, at a law firm before uh, being appointed by President Nixon to become the U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Pennsylvania, a position he served until 1975 when President Ford asked him to become Assistant Attorney General for the DOJ's Criminal Division. Then three years later, Thornburg entered the race for and was elected Governor of Pennsylvania. As Governor Thornburg inherited a record high deficit, but he had the experience and determination to successfully balance the state budget every year during his tenure. When Thornburg first took office, Pennsylvania's unemployment rate was among the top 10 in the nation. But by the time he stepped down as governor, he had created a surplus of $350 million, and the state's unemployment had dropped to be among the lowest of 10 states. He was responsible for the creation of more than 50,000 new businesses and half a million new jobs. And we'll hear more about how he managed that turnaround later in today's program. I also want to add that many listeners will remember Mr. Thornburg as the voice of calm and reason during the 1979 Three Mile Island accident. He was largely responsible for the cleanup as well as reforms which followed that crisis. In 1988, President Reagan reached out to Thornburg, and with unanimous confirmation, he became the country's 76th U.S. Attorney General, a position he continued to serve under President Bush. During that time, Thornburg Uh, went after many of those responsible for the saving and loan crisis and was also known to be very tough on white-collar crime. And then in 1990, when he left the position, and he has continued to remain uh, remain on the forefront of justice. He's worked with the FBI following 9-11 and uh, on on other uh, crises as needed. Uh, Today, Thornburg practices law at K&L Gates, a firm he proudly joined in 1959. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report the only U.S. Attorney General to serve under five presidents, Mr. Dick Thornburg. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Thornburg. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, have great to have you on the program. Rebecca. <laughs> well, we certainly have a lot of controversies uh, brewing these days. So <laughs> ju- <laughs> just to put a few things in perspective for our audience today, when a former attorney general looks at uh, the IRS scandal, the seizure of Associated Press phone records, and the warrant against uh, Fox reporter Rosen, the NSA surveillance, and other security issues. A- a- and you add on top of that the investigation into what's happening in Benghazi. How is it that you see these things? 
Well, one of my predecessors, uh, in fact, the first one that I got to know was Herbert Brownell, who served uh, under the Eisenhower administration. And um, he once made the observation that any attorney general who wants to be popular isn't doing his job. And what that means is that you've got to face up to the tough questions that go with that job. You can run, but you can't hide. And uh, that means that everything that's uh, controversial sooner or later going to end up on your desk and you've got to decide them. So when you look at this uh, parade of questions that you uh, so aptly pointed out, uh, you can see that uh, it's not a place for the faint of heart. But that seems like a lot of controversies at one time, or or is that just me? Am I am I just more sensitive to it now? Or when you were attorney general, did you feel like they were piling up like planes trying to land on the same runway? Also, absolutely. You know, you, you were uh, expecting uh, something every time you picked up the front page of the paper or looked at the six o'clock news. There was going to be something in there about criticism of the attorney general or the Department of Justice, but you just had to weather that and ride it out. Well, but it does feel like we, we're jumping around like rocks in a stream and all the while the river's rising. <laughs> well, I think we do have serious problems in this uh, country, and I don't mean to make light of them. Uh, uh, certainly the uh, gridlock on Capitol Hill, the inability to reach a balance between the needs of our citizens for privacy and the needs for all of us to be secure in our homes and in our communities. Uh, It's a very difficult world we're dealing with out there. And at the same time, we're finding spending going out of control and our debt rising. And it's it's a full enough challenge for anyone. Mercifully, not all those uh, problems end up on the attorney general's uh, uh, desk. But uh, more often than not, as you pointed out, there's a say for the attorney general on how to solve these problems. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'll tell you, some people say they don't want the job of the president, but I think there's only one job worse, it'd be the attorney general, because everything has to, you know, whether it involves the president or not, it's going to pass by your desk sooner or later. Um, oh, so, I quarrel with you. I'd say there's no job better than being the attorney general. Uh, well, that's coming from a fellow who had that job more than once. And uh, boy, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they talked you into the third and fourth and fifth <laughs> run. Uh, um, uh, in in the instance where the attorney general's charged to look at, let's say, the IRS targeting enemies of the White House. Now, how does an appointee of an administration do that well? Well, I'll tell you, I, I wrote a uh, book uh, recounting my experiences in public life, and it's called Where the Evidence Leads. And it derives from the fact that my instructions to my investigators and prosecutors, whether I was a U.S. attorney on the local uh, scene or uh, in, the, in the nation's highest legal office, was always to go where the evidence leads. And, and don't be afraid, uh, whether it involves the rich, the famous, uh, uh, whoever it might be, uh, if you've got enough evidence to charge them with a criminal offense, you've got to do so. At the same time, there's an admonition that goes with that as well, and that's never try to go beyond where the evidence leads for political reasons or personal reasons or what have you. So it's a pretty... Uh, even standard to follow. By the time you've been practicing law for uh, the amount of time that a lawyer has done so prior to becoming attorney general, he knows what evidence is good and what evidence is bad and what the likelihood is of of bringing a proper prosecution. And a proper prosecution is a part of the warp and woof of our uh, system. Well, I hear what you're saying, and this unfortunately flies in the face of the uh, advice my father gave me when I got my first serious job. And and this is what he told me. He said, there is no profit in being right if your boss is wrong. Well, that's, I think that's a very apt <laughs> bit of advice and, and observation. And yeah. there were plenty of times I had to remind myself of that. And, and so what happens when you're really, you know, when a path is leading to the White House or some such? We're, we're going to have yeah. to take a short commercial break. But when we come back, I, I'd right. like to try to understand what happens when you have to uh, go after and prosecute those people who are supporting the administration, supporting your boss, or even in a Watergate situation where the trail leads directly to the sure. White House. So let's talk about that when we come back. We're going to take a short commercial break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about uh, what happens when you have to prosecute people you really don't want to. You're listening to the Costa Report. Mm-hmm. 
Do you love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Now, everyone knows that my favorite is your Pinot Noir, but Caraccioli's known for a lot more than that. It's really the bubbles that kind of differentiates what we're doing in the area as opposed to a lot of our peers. And the way that we looked at it was there's great Chardonnay and Pinot Noir fruit in the Santa Lucia Highlands in the greater Monterey County. And we wanted to be able to utilize those grapes and showcase them in a little bit different light. And to do that comes a little bit of a laborious process in terms of making sparkling wine and doing A little it, bit? A lot of bit, <laughs> but still definitely worth the trouble and worth the wait. Um, we're currently selling 2006 and 2007 sparkling wines in the beginning of 2013. So it kind of tells you the time invested as well as all of the different techniques that we use and Michelle implements to ensure that we're delivering a quality product. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-800-642-8896. 1-800-642-8896. That's 1-800-642-8896. 1-800-642-8896. Greetings, folks. This is Randy the Realtor. Time is running out. The clock is ticking. This is probably the last year the government is going to waive taxes on debt forgiveness. If you're still upside down on your mortgage, you better make some important decisions soon, ones that you can live with. Whether it's your own home or whether it's an investment property, you need to figure it out. Give me a call so you know where to get the facts and make good decisions. 831-566-2590. Hey, I'm Ethan Behrman. Join me each week on Smoke-Filled World as I cut through the smog of politics and current events to bring key issues and the figures behind them into sharper view. Listen and find out what's going on in the world and why. Guests, news, politics, issues, insight, and your calls. Each week with ideas that are left, right, and straightforward. Listen to Ethan Behrman's Smoke-Filled World, 6 to 8 p.m. Sundays here on Listen and Be Heard Radio, AM 1080, KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former United States Attorney General and Governor of Pennsylvania. And before the break, um, I think you were making the point that one of the characteristics of a good Attorney General is that they can't be worried about popularity or political agendas. Um, So what happens when you have to prosecute supporters of the White House, or even if the DOJ itself uh, is in the wrong? Who oversees the DOJ, and and how, how does that get taken care of? Well, you have to, as I said, go where the evidence leads. And if it leads in a particular direction or to a particular individual, you can't hesitate to bring cases against them, criminal charges, if the evidence is there. If you don't, uh, you uh, are not loyal to your oath uh, to support and defend the Constitution. 
And if it's uh, uncomfortable to you to have to prosecute uh, uh, friends and supporters of the administration, then uh, you probably should resign. And we've had that happen from time to time as well. Mm-hmm. But it's a job which really requires absolute fidelity to the rule of law. You can't make it up on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, when, when it comes to the surveillance by the NSA mm-hmm. of the uh, locations and the durations of phone calls made by uh, private citizens, um, as well as the information obtained about report who reporters were calling for source mm-hmm. material, uh, a lot of citizens worry that these things and other intrusive behaviors are being justified in the name of national security. So I was wondering if you had any feelings about whether following 9-11 we might have gone too far in opening the door for these warrantless government uh, you know, excesses with the Patriot Act. I think it's inevitable when you have a disaster like 9-11 that that pendulum is going to swing a little bit closer to the interests of preserving national security than preserving our privacy. But, you know, it has a way of swinging back the other way, just as it's doing now when people are concerned. I think some of the concern is a little bit overrated, uh, that there isn't really that kind of of conspiracy out there to invade people's private phone calls. But that's the way it's played, and that's the problem that has to be dealt with. And, uh, you know, our good old system of democracy has a way of working these systems out, and I'm counting on it happening here. In your view, should we go back and maybe revisit the Patriot Act? Because uh, we were, you know, we, we sort of had a post 9-11 shock at yep. that point. It might not have been the best time to be passing the Patriot Act. We might have yep. waited a little bit. But should we go back and revisit that now that we understand some of the repercussions? Constantly. Should mm-hmm. be reviewed, of course, in the uh, legislature that passed it, and that's what the hearings that are going on now is about. And it's subject to review in the courts, up, up, down from the lower courts up to the Supreme Court. So the checks and balances that the founding fathers arranged in our system are harder work today. Mm-hmm. And is that it's something that the attorney general would analyze and make recommendations to the president? Yeah, you have a number of roles as the attorney general. You uh, obviously you're you're the chief law enforcement officer of the federal government, uh, as head of the Department of Justice. But you also have uh, a responsibility through the civil rights divisions to look after the rights and liberties of of all of us as citizens. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you have the responsibility to advise the president uh, on the legality of certain laws that may be passed or certain actions that may be undertaken. So it's a a full load of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So according to Snowden, uh, he Mm -hmm. says he was doing his patriotic duty to expose this surveillance activity at the NSA. And and I think up to a point until he fled to China and then from China (laughs) to Russia, uh, and he began cooperating with foreign governments, you know, there were a number of people that thought of him as a whistleblower rather than a traitor. So how how do you see that? Well, I think uh, uh, the thing to keep an eye on here is what the uh, intelligence agencies are really fearful of. And what they're fearful of is exposing their sources and methods. Mm-hmm. Their sources are individuals who may come to them as whistleblowers or may come to them as defectors from another country who have valuable information and have to be protected in exchange for their furnishing that information to us. So those sources are important to our national security. Methods, the methods are the use of uh, electronic surveillance. Uh, Lord knows what else is out there that's been perfected in uh, the laboratories of our super-secret agencies. But those methods, once they're exposed, uh, are useless. Uh, A... a, uh, a method can be counteracted uh, by uh, people who don't wish us well. So you'll hear that always from the people in the uh, spy agencies and in the uh, in the law enforcement community as well. It's sources and methods are very important. I, I don't know if it's just me not being a legal scholar, but our laws regarding treason and espionage, they seem quite old to me and very vague and open to argument. Um and and so I, I, I have a tough time when someone starts as a whistleblower and then in a very short amount of time we're talking about treason. Well, treason is a unique and specific offense that has very seldom been 
invoked by our government is the worst crime that can be committed by an individual against his government. It means that he is actively trying to undermine it or aid people who are trying to undermine it. So we don't see many treason charges ever brought. What you do see, though, is the use of a variety of federal criminal statutes. And that's one of my pet peeves is the fact that we have we don't have a rational federal criminal code, but that's for another day. But those statutes can be used to charge people in a variety of ways and mm-hmm. have been used to uh, uh, in the recent past, as you uh, you point out, mm-hmm. and, and they, but they they seem sort of broad based, uh, and you really it doesn't seem difficult to be able to paint someone with that brush. Well, that's what we have judges and juries and reviewing bodies for. Uh, if a prosecutor overreaches by uh, trying to use a statute that doesn't apply under the situation, then he's going to pay a price. Right. Now, now we seem to have had an opportunity in 2007 to uh, pass H.R. 985, which was the Whistleblower Protection Enhancement Act. Mm-hmm. And, and that seemed like it would have created a legal path for whistleblowers like Snowden and any others who observed wrongdoing. And, and I under, as I understand it, the DOJ, FBI, NSA, CIA, they all lined up and said, this is a bad idea because it's going to open the door <laughs> to lawsuits and all kinds of other problems. Right. So in hindsight, was, was that the right position to take? Or do you think they're kind oh, of going, maybe that was a good idea? They're, they're, they're going to take that uh, uh, step regardless because it's in their nature. They want to protect and preserve their own secrets and discover other secrets. And frankly, that's how they keep our nation safe. Now, there's a distinction, though, between a whistleblower and someone who's just uh, exposing uh, sources and methods of uh, our own spy methods uh, uh, just for the hell of it. <laughs> and I think I didn't get a sense of patriotism out of Mr. Snowden. He seemed to be in, intent upon wrecking our our counterterrorism uh, uh, system. Uh, and a subsequent activity show that. But but you so, would agree that important. there's no legal path for a governor, government worker to come forward with this kind of information, right, without putting their oh, yeah. life on the line. No, I think there is. I mean, uh, whistleblowers are very important to our system. Mm -hmm. I mean, by a whistleblower, someone who observes wrongdoing and wants to report it. uh, And uh, most uh, governments and many businesses nowadays provide uh, for ways that can be done. Okay, well, we have to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. Thornburg about his successful turnaround in the state of Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. Before you head out onto the open road, head on over to North Bay Ford and test drive a new eco-friendly, fuel-efficient Ford Energy car or truck. Hello, I'm Bobby Robinson. North Bay Ford is your locally owned dealership with low overhead, friendly, small town values, and great deals on new Ford cars and trucks. Here are two kinds of eco-friendly, energy-efficient Fords you can find right now at North Bay Ford. Get turbocharged direct injection performance with EcoBoost smart performance engines in the Ford Taurus, Explorer, Edge, F-150, Escape, Flex, and Fusion. Or get the power of gasoline and the savings of electricity with the new Ford C-Max and Fusion hybrids. 
Head over to North Bay Ford and test drive a new eco-friendly, fuel-efficient Ford and enjoy the ride of your life. We look forward to meeting you at locally owned North Bay Ford, 1999 Soquel Avenue, Santa Cruz, or on our web at northbayford.com. Hi, this is John from Central Coast Diamond Fusion and Window Cleaning. For nearly a decade, we've been keeping glass and other surfaces looking great, easier to clean, and resistant to damage. Central Coast Diamond Fusion coatings protect shower doors from staining, reduces cleaning time, eliminates the need to use harmful cleaning chemicals, and leaves a diamond-like finish. Our coatings also keep bathroom tiles, kitchen granite countertops, sinks, and toilets looking new and easy to clean. Central Coast Diamond Fusion can also restore most water-damaged shower glass and windows at a fraction of the cost of replacing them, which our own technicians have done at Stanford University the California Academy of Science in San Francisco, and Nike's World Campus. Central Coast Diamond Fusion and Window Cleaning, 831-475-6210 or visit www.diamondfusion.com for more information. Central Coast Diamond Fusion and Window Cleaning, 831-475-6210. No job, too small, free estimates are available. Tune in What's Left Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 for a variety of hosts, guests, and topics. Monday, it's Alex Darnell with a progressive approach to breaking news stories and taking your calls. Tuesday, it's the Dr. Future Show, where Dr. and Mrs. Future share positive possibilities for the future with fascinating guests and your calls. Wednesday, it's Lieberman Live with guests from the world of media and topics straight from today's headlines. Thursday, it's On The Mark Radio with your host, Mark Silverman, as he interviews guests from a wide-ranging field of topics and takes your call. Then, wrap up the week on Friday with the Costa Report. Each week, Rebecca Costa interviews the world's top newsmakers and thought leaders from a straight-shooting, nonpartisan perspective. So, from 2 to 4 p.m. weekdays, we got you covered with What's Left on KSCO AM 1080. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest is former Attorney General Dick Thornburg. And before the break, we were talking about the fact that whistleblowers play an important function in our society. And I believe you were making a distinction between whistleblowers and those who reveal our sources and methods and pose a threat to our nation's security. So based on what you know about the Snowden case, is he a whistleblower who crossed over to the dark side? Uh, I mean, yeah, how do you how do you anticipate this uh, Snowden controversy ending? Uh, he, he looks to me like a mischief maker more than anything else. I don't think that there was any wrongdoing that he was a, uh, reporting in the sense of uh, of uh, criminal conduct. But what he was reporting was uh, or uncovering was uh, vital techniques used by our uh, ag- national defense agencies to protect each and every one of us. And it was just done in a totally irresponsible way. I don't think that's treason, as we mentioned earlier, but I do think that it's a serious uh, breach of, uh, of ethics and, and uh, his obligations as a federal employee. Does it fall well, under some of the other espionage statutes? Uh, I think they're looking hard in, uh, at that, but uh, uh, my guess is that it'll be a lesser charge. But uh, uh, it certainly is not the type of conduct I don't think that most Americans would approve of. So this you think it'll be a lesser charge and he'll be home and uh, this will make its way through the courts and probably yeah. uh, he'll get a TV contract. Well, who knows? <laughs> the way we operate these days sometimes. <laughs> well, that's what happens to him. They get a book deal or a TV contract. Well, did you trade places with him? Uh, absolutely not. Well, my my dad Amen. was uh, my dad worked for the CIA. And so, uh, yeah, there you go. yeah, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't even like to, because of the way my dad raised us, we don't even like to get close to even looking like we're doing wrong. That's how bad it is. I can't even be, I can't even look like I'm doing something wrong. I'll go out of my way to not have the appearance of wrong, even though I'm not doing anything wrong. Oh, come on, Rebecca. That's not all bad. <laughs> I guess not, but that's a real old fashioned notion. I'll tell you. So, so, uh, all right, yeah, all so the old fashion. I don't I don't want to run out of time, but uh, yeah. uh, I want to get to your success as governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, and because I have to say, it's a remarkable turnaround story. 
It really was, and something that uh, all Pennsylvanians should be very proud of, because we faced, uh, uh, as I said, uh, when when I took office, uh, Dr. Samuel Johnson once observed, nothing so concentrates the mind as the prospect of imminent hanging. And we faced the economic equivalent of that in 1979 when I took office. We had huge debts. We were running at a deficit. Tax rates were so high we couldn't attract business in. So all of which suggested what we had to do in order to clean up our act. And over an eight-year period of time, I'm proud to say we did. But not just did, you created 50,000 new businesses, 500,000 new jobs. You're being too modest. Let me brag for you. Uh, I I, I have to. A a half a million new jobs. uh, And uh, when you started, Pennsylvania was amongst the top 10 in unemployment. And when you left, they were in the bottom 10. Yeah, it wasn't all gravy, though, because it got as high as 14% during my first term term in office. But we resolved that we weren't going to try to do a quick fix here. We were going to try to fix uh, the economic situation for the long run. And, you know, that continues to today. Our two principal cities of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are used as models for how a big city can turn itself around. And the state has remained in good uh, financial condition uh, ever since. Now, do you have a lot of people from Detroit visiting? (laughs) They could learn something. You You start with a very simple proposition. Don't spend more than you take in. And now most states have a balanced budget requirement, and and I'm all for a balanced budget amendment to the United States Constitution because that's what teaches you fiscal discipline. And that's where you uh, learn how much you have to cut in order to to keep your uh, head above water. Or if you want to spend more, you're going to take the heat for higher taxes. We lowered uh, uh, business tax rates and we lowered personal tax rates and Everything was just going right for us. We we really uh, were, were pleased with the way it turned out. Well, you want to talk about another old-fashioned uh, saying. My dad used to tell us never just to, we better learn to live within our means. Remember that? Yes, I should say so. It's not a bad admonition for today. It's not, but for credit, borrowing and, and credit is the is the lifestyle of the day. And don't you think that even in government, we've just sort of perpetuated that cultural phenomenon, just borrow it, you never have to completely pay it back. I mean, how many people are ever going to pay off their whole house? Yeah, well, look at our federal government. They're the prime examples of what happens if you just spend and borrow without ever any thought of how you're going to pay it back. Look what we've done to successive generations and the whole they're going to have to dig themselves out of. It's a disgrace. And and now we're going to raise, raise the debt ceiling again. Sure, automatically. <laughs> well, I, I've got That's to ask it. you now, because you're a person with track record, oh. so you've got credibility. In eight years, you have one of the greatest turnaround stories we have, as an example. And we've got cities like Detroit, and I, I argue that that's just the beginning because we're going to see lots of cities yeah. going under, and we all know they're hanging by a thread right now, right? Uh, so, you know, if you were going to scale that up and you were going to say, okay, what what I did in Pennsylvania worked, I demonstrated it worked, and it's continued to work. It was a sustainable model. Uh, if you were going to scale that up to uh, all states across the United States, yep. what do they need to do at this point? Because we're at a well, critical point right now. A lot of them are doing it, and a lot could be learned from state experience by our brethren in Washington. You start with the basics. You don't, as we said, don't spend any more than you have. Sometimes that means you've got to reduce expenditures. We cut 15,000 unnecessary jobs out of a bloated state payroll. And you know what? We didn't have to fire anybody. Just as jobs became vacant, we didn't fill them. And the people who were on the job after those folks left did a much better job of managing as it turned out. That's where that's one place to start. How did you cut fifteen thousand jobs and increase and, and lower the unemployment and, and create more jobs? How'd you do all three of those things at one time? Because we were creating private sector jobs. You have the numbers there, and uh, it, 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 uh, government jobs are important to make the government go. But more often than not, they become political dumping grounds. And one of the things that we did was effectively abolish the patronage system in our state. And there was a lot of howling and yowling from the political leadership of my own party about that. But that was the only way to do it. We, As I said, we faced a, a very serious dilemma in our state. And I'm proud to say they've overcome that. And so what about this debt ceiling? What's your feeling about that? Do you, do you just let it stay? 
uh, you let the government uh, go broke? Rebecca, somewhere, some, somewhere along the way, somebody's going to have to bite the bullet and say these laws mean what they express, that, that when you put a ceiling on the debt, it, it remains a ceiling. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that happen in my lifetime. But otherwise, why have a ceiling at all? Let, let them go spend whatever they want. Well, I don't think uh, it is a ceiling. Of course not. Uh, because, uh, I don't know, the ceiling in my house isn't movable. <laughs> Maybe it is in other people's homes. I don't have one I can adjust to any height. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is, we've lost complete touch with reality when it comes to spending and taxing in this uh, nation of ours. And it, it, it really breaks my heart because uh, it seems to me that there's some very simple lessons that could be applied, uh, beginning with uh, a constitutional requirement to ba- absolutely balance the budget year in, year out. That's a sword. We, you know, you said we balance the budget every year I was in governor. Mm-hmm. I'd like to take credit for that, but the people who take credit for the people who framed the Pennsylvania Constitution, they didn't let Dick Thornburg go off and spend more than he was taking in by way of revenues. And that's the kind of discipline that's necessary at the federal level, and it's shocking that it's never been able to get to a vote because of all the special interests that line up against it. Well, I That's happen to think it wouldn't be such a bad idea to have a lot of these governors who uh, who um, did take action and do, and do balance their budgets year after year. It wouldn't be so bad to have them in our nation's capital. Uh, and that and should it, be a two-way street. Uh, economic development programs uh, don't belong at the federal level. What's the federal government know about what kinds of jobs can be created in your community? Those ought to be lumped together in block grants, set back to the states, and watch them go. You're absolutely right. And I, I vote for that program. So uh, we have to take our last break, and we'll be right back with Dick Thornburg. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. Fifty years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. But something you may not know is that Dr. King was represented by the world's foremost speaking agency, the American Program Bureau. The American Program Bureau has a courageous history of representing luminaries, entertainers, and motivators from all backgrounds. From Ronald Reagan, Richard Branson, and Mikhail Gorbachev, to John Stewart, Michael Douglas, and Desmond Tutu. From A-list celebrities to best-selling authors, cutting-edge business leaders, and the greatest minds in academia, the American Program Bureau has speakers to fit every venue and every budget. When corporations, conferences, schools, and community organizations need an expert speaker, they turn to the American Program Bureau to help them craft an event that will be remembered long afterwards. To inquire about a speaker for your next engagement, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or visit our website at apbspeakers.com. The American Program Bureau, making history one speech at a time. I'm Jack Roberts, a member of the Monterey Bay Classic Thunderbird Club. Join me and other car enthusiasts on Saturday, September 28th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. for the 16th annual T-Birds on the Wharf. This year, T-Birds on the Wharf will benefit the Children's Hospice and Palliative Care Coalition. See nearly 100 classic and vintage Thunderbird automobiles. Enjoy these beautiful cars while you spend the day at the wharf, the boardwalk, and the beach. This is a great way to spend Saturday, September 28th, 9 to 3, T-Birds on the Wharf. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. I don't know if you feel a little sluggish in the middle of the afternoon like I do, but if you do, I'm going to suggest you try Pollen Burst. It's an orange-flavored energy drink that comes in a packet, and it tastes a lot like that other orange drink the astronauts used to drink. You know the one. Pollen Burst contains vitamins A, B1, B3, B6, B12, pantothenic acid, vitamin D3, and gluconolactone, all designed to give you an energy boost that can last for hours. Pollen Burst comes in a box of 30 packets for $56 or two boxes for $100, and you can order it right now at kscoteam.com. The next time you feel tired and need a little boost, skip the coffee, soda, or candy bar and mix up a cold glass of Pollen Burst and do your body some real good. Go to kscoteam.com. What's left every Monday from 2 to 4 p.m.? It's Alex Darnell who takes a progressive approach to the stories and issues that affect us all. Alex wants to know what you think as well. If you agree with him, great. If you disagree, even better. Alex invites you to participate. So tune in to What's Left every Monday from 2 to 4 p.m. for Alex Darnell on your Listen and Be Heard radio station, KSCO AM 1080. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former governor and U.S. Attorney General Dick Thornburg. And before the break, you were saying that uh, these economic development programs don't belong at the federal level. Uh, but in, in recent times, we seem to see a shift toward more federal programs, uh, which, of course, means that the states are being starved of funds to affect local programs. So what would you think about tying raising the debt ceiling to maybe a higher disbursement to state economic development programs? I mean, it seems to me that that might be more productive than tying it to Obamacare. Can that be done? Sure. Not a bad idea. I never thought of that, but it's uh, it's worthwhile. I, I happen to be a strong believer that the governments that are closest to the people can better make decisions for their uh, constituencies. And this is a classic example. And it's not just uh, economic development programs, although they're the most obvious ones, but uh, any number of programs that can be run better at the local level aren't because they're uh, diverted, the money's all diverted off into these mammoth federal agencies here in Washington. Now, look, there's a there's a role for the federal government. Let's not kid ourselves. Of course. The states can't carry out national defense policies and the like of that. But I uh, back in the um, in the Nixon days and in the Reagan days, uh, two administrations in which I served, as far as funding uh, revenue sharing programs that sent uh, federal dollars, federal government's very good at collecting money and very poor at spending it. And if they can collect the money and share it, share that revenue back with the states, Block grants uh, where you give rather than these uh, collection of special uh, programs uh, that are designed to benefit the politicos, uh, you send uh, a block grant uh, back to the states. Say, you design the program and carry it out. That'll work better, too. And it did work, uh, but it was abandoned because of the type of political pressures and special interests that uh, often carry the day. Well, this is the problem I have with raising the debt ceiling. It's raised the debt ceiling, and we're going to spend the additional money doing what we did before. Yeah, right. And and so, you know, the outcome can't be different. That means six months from now we're raising it again, raising that again. I mean, if you don't stop going to the shopping mall, then guess what? You you continue to buy things. Yeah, and what kind of lesson does that send to our citizenry? In other words, we say we have a debt ceiling. We say, well, we don't really need to pay attention to it. If we had a debt ceiling that was observed and set parameters upon what government spending and taxing levels could be, then it would be useful. Today, it's a snare and a delusion and actually uh, uh, sends a very contrary uh, message to our citizenry, particularly young people. Absolutely. And they're the ones that are going to ultimately pay the tab for us. The the fact that that our fiscal policy is to print money every single day, you know, sooner or later, uh, like everyone says, uh, you can kick the can down the road, but eventually you run out of road. So uh, and that that is the logical outcome. And one of the greatest things that we've developed and evolved as human beings is our ability to uh, look ahead and see the repercussions of our actions and then to forge some action in the present to avoid a negative outcome. But we don't seem to be leveraging that. 
Well, that should be duty number one of any elected official, shouldn't it? Uh, you would think. Care for the future, to preserve uh, the present and make sure that what we've developed, uh, and, and we are, we're still the finest nation in the world, but make sure that what we've developed in this country persists. But there's a, uh, some threatening dark clouds out there now that I think are going to be very challenging for us all. Well, I'm pretty disgusted that they've tied this latest uh, uh, yeah. debt ceiling to Obamacare, which I, I don't, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I really, no matter how you look at it, it's just nasty business. I would have rather they tied it to how the funds would be dispersed and used. And I would have liked to see some requirement for decentralization for the money to go back to the states and to hold the states accountable for job creation, because I don't believe the federal government can create any jobs. I think the states do that. I like your suggestion in that regard. Now we've got to find a friendly congressman or senator to put it into into words. <laughs> well, I, I will I'm give... You, right, before we... Uh, and before, before we everybody starts off. writing me to run for office, I will never there run for office. No, I can get no. so much more done on the outside than I can on the inside, and you know that, right? There's a lot of truth <laughs> to that, absolutely. I've got to share something with you, however, before we sign off here. Yeah. Tomorrow my wife and I celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, congratulations. To celebrate that, we're going to retrace our wedding trip. We took a trip through New England, and uh, we're going to stop at all the places and see all the people we saw 50 years ago. No many kidding. Of them are still around. Isn't that neat? <laughs> now, I got a question for you. Are you going to go in the same car you had back then? Uh, hardly. <laughs> it would be pretty uh, fruitless, I think, at that time. Now we're going to uh, rent a car and just have a ball. Now, where Now, where did you go? What was your trip? Uh, well, we went to uh, a, a, a resort named Johnny Seesaws up in Peru, Vermont. <laughs> and then we visited one of my nephews at Dartmouth College. And then uh, we went down to uh, Cambridge. Uh, both of us went to Harvard at one time or another or, or worked there. And uh, then we went out on the Cape Mm-hmm. And then we stopped at our colleges. Um, my college is Yale, and Jenny's college is Wheaton College in Norton, Massachusetts. And uh, then we wended our way back home. But it was perfect. Couldn't have been better. Well, this is so the we'll... time of year. The trees are turning. Oh, and... the trees will be glorious, yeah. Oh, they will be. There's, there's nothing like making that drive along the New England coast yep. at this yep. time of year. And And for anybody listening, if you haven't done that, you know, don't think that we're a couple of old fogies because, you know, do you, you remember a time when your parents used to put you in the car and say, let's go for a drive? Yeah. I now, I know so. my environmental be- brethren are turning over right now and saying, yeah, you're going to burn fossil fuels. But I'm just going to say that that was those were some of my happiest memories is just going for a drive and looking. And that was a big deal to go out in the car, too. You know? it, it, it was. It was a treat. It was it was a treat to go for a drive with the family, and you'd do that well, on a Sunday. They'd say, well, let's go for a drive. We didn't really have a destination either. Oh, I know, exactly. But as a child, I always knew I always knew there'd be a stop and there would be ice cream involved. <laughs> that's not a trip. That's a nostalgia trip <laughs> and a good one. There, there's somewhere along the line, my dad would pop for a couple of ice cream cones. Uh, great. And uh, and that made me very happy. Now, before we do run out of time, how can listeners stay in touch and find out more about your activities? Well, I'm uh, practicing law in Washington mm-hmm. uh, with a firm of K&L Gates, and they're right on the uh, on the uh, web, and, and my link is there. And just, I'd be glad to talk to them about it. Okay, I'm, I'm, not I'm, for, I'm like you though. I'm not running for office. Uh, had, I wish you would. I, I, I will be the first to say I wish you would. I think uh, there are any number of folks who could straighten out our problems. Unfortunately, they know better than to walk into that hornet's nest. Uh, well, th- I must say, for all the pluses and minuses, ups and downs, wins and losses that go with public life, I wouldn't trade a single minute of my time in public life for uh, anything else. It was a great privilege to serve this country and uh, I just got to know so many extraordinary people and had so many good experiences that uh, I I think it's one of the great strengths of this country. And we just got to get more men and women, good men and women to join in and and run for office and serve in office and uh, help to turn around those areas where we're falling short. I agree. The other way down the road. (laughs) 
I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Well, that is our program for today. But before we say goodbye, I want to take this moment to thank you for your service. Thank you, Mr. Thornburg. My great pleasure, Rebecca. Nice to talk to you. If your station is leaving us after this hour and uh, you'd like to comment on today's conversation with Dick Thornburg, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or send me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're pretty much all over the Internet. So drop me a line and let me know how you feel about our program today. And if you missed the full interview with Thornburg or any of our other guests, you can download episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our new YouTube channel. And I also want to thank all the listeners who have been sending me emails and letters about the Watchman's Rattle and for passing the word along. Uh, We continue to have record book sales. And the reason is that this book explains the gridlock we're all witnessing in Washington, D.C. right now from a completely new perspective, one that you haven't heard anywhere else. Uh, We're in a war right now, but it's not a war between the left and the right. It's a war between policy based on empirical fact and data and policy based on unproven beliefs and superstition. Uh, This is a war the Mayans, Romans, Khmer, and Egyptian and Ming empires lost, and it led to their collapse. So if you haven't picked up your copy, go to our website at RebeccaCosta.com. Next week, my guest is former CEO of Hewlett-Packard and executive for AT&T, Ms. Carly Fiorina. She's going to explain exactly what the United States has to do to fuel entrepreneurship and maintain its status as the world leader in innovation. Is our ability to innovate under threat by laws, compliances, and an unfriendly business climate? Don't miss a candid and important discussion with Carly Fiorina next week right here on the Costa Report, the one program you can count on week after week to put principles ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for the second hour of the Costa Report when we hear how you feel about our conversation with Dick Thornburg. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 